0: And welcome to the New Hope Oahu podcast. If you would like to watch the sermon, testimonies, creative elements, and more, go to youtube.com/slash New Hope Oahu. You can watch sermons in our app or check out our website at enewholpe.org.
1: guys so much for joining us here today as we continue our surrender series. And today we're going to be talking about how God has called us to surrender our problems to him. It's interesting that the shepherd leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. And then it says that in scripture that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And that's always struck me as like, Hmm, I don't really want to eat with my enemies. And yet, what it says to me is the Lord is saying, I'm gonna provide for you, but I'm also gonna have you face your problems. Those things that you would rather avoid or hide from, I'm actually going to show how I can help you overcome them. And today, we have with us here, Kaipo and Ina. I'm so thankful that you guys have joined us here today to just share some of your story. I really appreciate your time
0: here. And thank you for having us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: we started to get to know each other at uh, our Doing Church as a Team conference, and, and then you guys uh, started to come into my life group, and uh, <laughs> just as you began to share your story, I could see how God is really, as, as our shepherd, been leading you to face a number of, of problems, mm-hmm. and been helping you to overcome them. Yes. And so I just had asked if you guys would mind sharing with our new Hopahana some of the story, and I wanted to start out with this this scripture here. God's been speaking uh, to you guys actually out of uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. I thought it would be a great place for us to start right now. It says this in Ezekiel 37 verse 1, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? It's a a strange question. Like if you and I are looking at a pile of bones and God says, can these bones live? We should probably have the same answer he did. He said, "Uh, sovereign Lord, (laughs) you alone know. And then he said to me, all right, prophesy to these bones in verse 4. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so Ezekiel then had to prophesy to his problems before any solution came to pass. Mm -hmm. And I find that interesting that God doesn't let us escape from it. He actually leads us right to it, yeah. right? Yeah. And then He tries to show us how He's seen what we see as problems, He sees as possibilities. Yeah, And it's interesting because God has the power to, if he wanted to, he could have just said, I'm going to speak to these bones and bring an army out of these dry bones. Mm-hmm. But instead he wants Ezekiel involved in the process of overcoming his problems and seeing possibilities by prophesying that. Yeah. And I just want you guys to just begin to kind of share with us, take us back a few years to some of these insurmountable problems that you were facing. Almost like when you were standing at your valley of dry bones Maybe share with our Ohana, what did that look like for you guys?
0: I feel like from the time we got together back in Hilo, um, we actually met in college. We were both going for our bachelor's degree. You know, I was just going through a time in life where I was still trying to find myself, You know, I just graduated from high school, uh, doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. You know, and it was just kind of that lifestyle where I was like, oh, I'm a cool teenager, I can Mm -hmm. do whatever I like, you know? So from the time we got together, it was just like trial upon trial upon trial, where we were staying, um... You know, we got into, like, court issues with the landlords, yep. and we had, like, cops caught on us at, like, random hours. They kicked us out of the, out of the site. They had, like, TROs. And this is all during our, our finals week, yeah. you know? Oh, wow, as if
1: finals weren't stressful enough. Exactly. And at this time, did you guys have a relationship with Jesus?
0: I didn't. I didn't have... I mean, I would yeah. go to, like, you know, the church gatherings Not, for the kids yeah. and, mm-hmm. throughout the year, Easter, Halloween, but I yeah. didn't really have...
2: The way A relationship, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah, God wasn't really so, in my life. I yeah. knew of Him, right? But it wasn't like.
1: But it wasn't at that point when, we're, you're going through this stuff, that you knew, oh, I can
0: call out to no, God. No, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. And at that time, it was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like, we ended up moving to another house, and we had issues over there too with the mm-hmm. landlord. Yeah. And I was just like, what is going on? There was no rest. <laughs> what is going on? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then we ended up moving here, and it was weird because yeah. we picked up everything. Just yeah. moved on the whim. Yeah. We didn't have a, ho- a house ready for us. We didn't have yeah. a car. His papa passed away, so we moved over to actually take care of his of his grandma. Okay. You know?
2: Yeah, so I could be around my grandmother. Yeah. And this was around 2015.
0: Oh, this was around 2012, and we actually just got married too. Yeah. We moved wow. here, got married, yeah, so and
2: at, then, at um, my my grandpa's um, hospice, I didn't ask. He did her. not propose. So when Don't do you want to get married? Oh,
0: it wasn't a proposal. And, and it
2: wasn't a. It wasn't. Wait, a, wait, wait, you know. It was just a decision.
0: You know, we're getting married. No, it wasn't a time. like.
2: Uh, oh, do
0: you think we should get married, or I
2: was, yeah. it
1: was just like,
2: oh, when? So. At, at the
1: hospice? Yeah, not not exactly the most romantic yeah. place to. No. Uh, in right. the waiting room. Yeah, well, we can work on redoing <laughs> yeah. that, you know, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but I understand because you're really just trying to survive, yes. right? From one day to the next. That's
0: exactly what
1: it was. Yeah. So you don't really got
0: time
2: to to do all of those other niceties.
0: So eventually we...
2: uh, We actually got into into a... a, housing. Like a transitional housing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how they provide. Mm -hmm. It's a two-year stay. You know, most places, they only allow you two years. You're Mm -hmm. supposed to build up savings. And at the end of the two years, even with the built-up savings, it wasn't enough.
0: didn't have enough.
2: It wasn't enough. They didn't, like, allocate. We didn't. We didn't save enough. To yes. have like a down payment and first month or anything, so so
0: we ended up having to move back in with my his um, mom, my mom.
1: So from uh, no home in Hilo, mm-hmm. homeless in Hilo, now on Oahu, trying to take care of family, trying to
2: make ends meet. Now you find yourself getting kicked out yet again mm-hmm. from another place. Mm-hmm. So um, went to your court, and then they said, okay, you have this date uh, to this date to get out. And then that's when we decided... That
0: well, then we started living out of a car again.
2: Yeah.
0: We would go down to um, Yokohama's mm-hmm. on the Waianae we at the nighttime. Some,
2: we did some hotel stays. We stayed in like hotels whenever we could afford two. it. Like I would work all day, and then she would just stay in the hotel, and then whatever we could find, and then it got to maturity. Yeah. Like all the money I was working for I was went going to the hotels. To the hotel. and,
1: see, and see, people need to understand, I think we... we uh, we typecast people or we generalize and say, oh, homeless people, you know, they're just lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, they just are spending all the money on drugs, mm-hmm. which, of course, that's true in some cases. Right. Right. But as I'm hearing your story, I, you know, I, I'm realizing there's a whole nother side yes. to yes. people just especially the price of paradise. Right. Yes. Trying to trying to make it in Hawaii yes. is a whole nother thing. And, uh, and so at this point, you're realizing we're not getting ahead. We're just following further behind. Yes. W- what did you guys do next?
0: Well, at the time, I was working as a dispatcher um, at a taxi company. But uh, during like the down times when people wouldn't call, I would uh, research like housing or even um, the Section 8. Um, housing voucher, and we finally got our housing in 2000, the ending of 2015.
1: Now you know, all oh, this was a blessing from God. Yes. But then you just considered it probably luck, right? Yeah.
0: We like, oh and gosh.
1: so, was it around this time that you began to realize we need to figure this God thing out?
0: We had been going to church. Um, from the time we moved up here, like even before we moved up here, when we'd visit, we'd go and visit his family church. So we kind of knew of God, but we didn't have that that strong relationship yeah, with yeah, him. I no. knew I was blessed. Yes, I he knew, knew he was blessed. Yeah, I yeah. knew that
2: that was, that was...
0: Blessings from God. Yeah. God. Yeah.
2: But yeah. it wasn't because I was praying. Right. It was because somebody else was praying for me. <laughs> <than laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and God was looking yeah. out for you. Yeah. So at what point did you
1: begin to think, you know, we need to take the, our relationship with God seriously?
0: Actually, it We've was... Been trying. <laughs> it's it's We've been trying a journey. For a long time. We've been trying to get in there and do the word and you know. Well for me personally, I hadn't taken it to heart until I was diagnosed with um this thing called endometriosis where it's uh it's like chronic pain, chronic abdominal pain. Abdominal. Um, yeah. and it's just kind of like an everyday struggle with pain and it also causes infertility and that's kind of like a a strong point for us, um because I love kids. Mm. I used to be a preschool teacher. So, so it was a little bit hard to be like hearing this from the doctor saying that oh, you know, it it, it might be hard for you guys to get pregnant mm. and we both want a big family. Like, I come from a big family. He comes from a big family. I
1: happen to believe in the value of big family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, he would always joke around and be like, we're going to make an army of Hawaiian kids. Yeah. I'm like, ah. Yes. Uh,
1: so this me, was like me. the crushing of a dream when it seemed like you guys yes. were finally moving forward. Yes. Right? Finally making progress. It was and was like,
0: smack down. the yeah. was like, And then no. you,
1: you couldn't even keep working, right? Because of yeah. the pain. So
0: I actually had to quit <laughs> my job that I was... In love with, I loved it so much um, because not only could I be with kids, but it was basically what I was um, in college for, which we had to put aside because of all life. (laughs) I needed to quit because I can't be a preschool teacher and also deal with this random pain. pain. Yes, yeah, Yeah. you don't
1: know when it's coming and how long it's going to last. Yeah,
0: and sometimes the medicine doesn't work. Okay. Sometimes it's so bad that I'm screaming like to the top of my lungs and people yeah, think I'm crazy it was really in my bad lungs. for a little while. So we've been dealing with it for maybe about a year or two. I had quit two years ago. Um, we had surgery upon surgery, mm, misdiagnosis, yeah. kidney stones, just yeah, kidney, kidney stones. In the
2: beginning.
0: I would stay at home and deal with the pain. I wouldn't wanna see anybody because I didn't wanna be, you know, like Scrunching sure, in front of anybody. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be telling everybody, like, oh, I'm in pain. You know, I don't want to be like, hey, I'm sick. Right. I'm right. a sick girl, you know? That's right. something you don't want to be sharing with other people. Because you don't want
1: to make them feel awkward. Yes, yeah. and you
0: don't want to be judged. Right. And you don't want, like, all those opinions, like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And, like, it's hard enough for me to be, like, to listen to other people saying, hey, when are you guys having kids? You guys have been together uh, for so long. You know, it's like, uh, oh.
1: We're working on it. Yeah. And so you guys had started coming to New Hope around uh, 2015.
0: Yes. And
1: yes. Uh, you had both accepted Christ together. You came back to Christ. Yes. You met Christ for the first time yes. um, during one of our services. Yes. And, uh, but you had still just kind of, as you described, kind of just, we attend and then we're out. Right, right? like
0: a touch and go, like, yeah. hey, service, now we're dashing. <laughs> right, right. And it was kind of like how you would always say in the message, like, You feel full here, but as soon as you step out of
2: the
1: door, it's like, (laughs) okay, God move. But what you were feeling was in the face of this, the crushing of dreams, this extreme pain, this diagnosis. God was actually using that much like he did with Ezekiel, facing down the problems, and he was saying something to you
2: guys. What was he saying to you guys? It's time, you know, that's what he was saying. It's time for you. To make the decision. Yeah. Right? What it's are you a, waiting for? Are you guys in it's or now out? No, or right. wow. So at the beginning of this year, every like, you were preaching about tithing. It's so just a part of our worship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We really believe that God is providing everything for us. Yes. But we're not willing to give Him that give small ten percent back. Yeah. Hmm. When we made that that decision. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it was hard, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, we was dedicated. Because yeah. We were continuing to give that ten percent. After that, it's like, okay, well, I already know God can provide, so yeah. I'm not really, I'm not really worried yeah. about all of other bills because yeah. it's been getting paid, and yes, we don't yeah. know how it's getting paid. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: that's that's really amazing that you would look at this health crisis uh, causing a financial crisis because now yes. she can't work. Yeah. And instead of seeing it as a an instrumental p- problem, God began to show you, no this is actually a possibility to see me come through yes. for you yeah. uh, yes. and and I, I've heard it put this way you know God's initial challenge with you was put me first in your finances. Yes. our best way through uh, uh, provision problems. Is to tie their way out we tie their way out because that allows us to make sure we're putting God where our money is at You know, we can't serve two masters And and so really for for those of us whether it's it's financial Whether it's health whether it's emotional relational problems that we're facing uh, From their story and and from Ezekiel. I think uh, you can fill it in your first blank there But we need to understand that God wants us to see our problems as possibilities and that leads us to the second thing that comes straight from your story is starting with, with tithing. God invites us through our problems to participate with the miracle. That's point number two. God invites us through our problems to participate with the miracle. And so that really, in your story, was the beginning of kind of an acceleration. Yes. Tell us what happened next.
0: Yes. Yeah, I was like, okay, what can we do next?
1: Right. I was broken. now I'm not. Yes. You, you're, t- you're putting God first in your yes. finances. You went to the Doing Church as a yes. Team conference, and, and from that's when you and I began to talk. Yes. And you were saying, really kind of for the first time, you realized that it's not enough to just attend Church, uh, church. Yeah. you actually have to serve. Yes. yes. What What was God's stirring in you during that?
0: Well, we were talking about gifts, like a lot of the the talk that, or a lot of the the, the classes that we were taking in DCAT was about how like wh- what kind of gifts do you have, Yeah. and what how how can you use that to honor God and and um. And
2: everyone's uh, ten. ten somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just finding your fit, right?
0: So to me, I felt like God was like calling on my heart to be like, hey, you have a lot of gifts that I've given you, mm. and you've you like
2: singing <laughs> a little bit yeah. And a lot more other stuff <laughs>
0: yeah I mean um these these gifts have been with me since I was young but it wasn't to me it wasn't like a gift it was like oh I can do this you know everybody else can do it right but I can do this too
1: and, until and you realize it's a part of the divine design exactly yeah exactly
0: yeah. like the whole time sitting in class I'm like what are my gifts? what are my talents where can I serve where like what what is it and I just felt like God saying that hey Singing is one of your gifts. I gave that to you. Mm. You should use that to praise me. So. And I was telling Kaivo, I was like, "Oh my gosh, God is breathing His His breath into our life. Yes. You know, yes. all of these hardships, all of these trials, all of these tribulations. Everything is leading up to this moment. Mm. You know, and we've heard it multiple times, but it didn't really stick. Where our testimony is not for us. You know, our testimony is not meant for us. It's meant for others. Right. It's meant to Inspire encourage and, and others. encourage others who are going through that same situation, yeah. and although we've had many trials, you know we're <laughs> we're here.
1: Yeah, God brought us you're, out of. And it. you're literally sharing your story exactly. right now. Exactly. And both with your testimony and with your song, yeah. it's that participation in the miracle that we see here in verse seven where God said prophesy, but he wasn't going to do the work for him. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we, we cross our arms and we're like, God, I'm going to stand right here yeah. until you do what it is you said you were going to do. And God's like, I'm, I'm waiting for you. Yeah. You say you're waiting for me. Yeah. I'm waiting for you because you got to participate yes. in this by faith. And so it says, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breath into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And I love that because he's speaking to the four, north, south, east, and west. And I think when you and I participate in the miracle, when we're willing to open our mouth, put our hands to the thing that he's asking us to do, we're going to see blessings coming from every direction yes. that we never could make happen on our yes. own. And and it's, and it's God's just saying, hey, if you will just obey me, even if it feels ridiculous, mm-hmm. like you getting up mm-hmm. and singing, you know, even if you have to face all of these fears, even if it feels awkward and, and serving or, or giving to me in your, your first 10%, you know, all of those things that don't come natural, then when we step out on the natural, God completes it in the supernatural. He does what we can't do, but he's waiting on us for our part. So tell me about uh, baptism. You finally, just this past weekend, you got to come and get water (laughs) baptized. What was God doing in in you during that?
0: (laughs) Well... The enemy was definitely testing me that day. From yeah. like, so on the way there, I'm just crying and emotional, and we're like, we're like I say, arguing that's, with that's each not other. That's not of God. Exactly. Her, that's not of God. And then like, I felt convicted. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, not of God. You, Ooh. God. you don't want
1: to hear it, right? Ooh. But it's like I needed to hear yeah. that.
2: It's kind of a a challenge because we was thinking. I was thinking about some things that had happened, you know, between my uncle and myself. And I was like, wow. But as soon as we showed up to baptism, he was there getting baptized with us.
1: Wow. <laughs> and so we wow. was like. Oh, and you didn't know that. No. no. Wow. No. Well, again, God having you face your problems, right? <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, you don't
2: get to run from this. Yeah. I
1: actually am going to bring him exactly. right to yeah. you so you guys can reconcile, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: I was ready to leave that fleshly man yes. down in that water. Yes. Yeah. We all have something that we're going through. And even though we pray and we do whatever we can to try and get that spirit away, it's not that easy. Through the design and through the in, in Decat and through um, going to church and worshiping and from through tithing, through all of that, it's helped me get rid of things that I don't want.
0: Mm.
1: And the water baptism just kind of sealed that. That work that I've been doing in you guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, It was was such an honor for Cindy and I to be a part of that moment. And then to even see your consistency and all these other things along with our life group. And even just this morning, you and I were, you know, we were journaling together. And God was, uh, that's one of the things I love about Life Group is I get to be a minister to through what God is speaking through you guys. And yet, uh, you know, right after Life Group, you started experiencing that pain. Yes. And that's the first time that I had been present when you were experiencing the, the pain. And, uh, but it gave me this, both the opportunity to agree with you in prayer and to continue praying for you, but also this acknowledgement that even when uh, we see the bones come alive even when we see the problems turn into possibility that doesn't mean that our contending stops Mm -hmm. that just means that we build on the fact that my god has led me this far and he's going to lead me farther and that you were there at life group even though many would say well i'm not going to go to a life because i because i don't want to be embarrassed you know i don't want to have this pain the things that, that the enemy had used to keep you isolated and alone before you're now just like hey i'm not going to miss out on what it is that god's yeah. calling me to yeah. do yeah. and that just um, ministered to me so much and i think you know to those of us in in our new hope ohana to hear that because every one of us is fighting a battle that um no one's aware of yes. if yeah. they were to see you guys they would have no idea of all of the things that you guys have just shared with us. They would just think, "Oh, they're just they're just an awesome couple who are fully involved in 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 every area in the church. They they must, you know, have had a perfect life and yet it couldn't have been more the opposite." And and that's why I'm so thankful that you guys shared with us because I want everybody to be encouraged as they hear your story that no matter where we are, the miracle starts the moment we begin to participate in obedience to what it yes. is God's asking us yes. to do. Yes. So I just want to thank you guys again for your time, for for sharing with us in your heart. And I can't wait to see the day when we are going to be sharing about your physical healing, because we're going to just keep thanking God and praying for that in advance. And, And when we are holding... Uh, your children your 20 My children or however many uh, however many children you guys are going to have and and dedicating those children to the Lord you know we're just going to keep prophesying speaking yes. over those problems and, and calling those things that aren't as though they were yes but uh, thanks again for your time today thank you good, for yeah. having thanks. us So good, right? So, so good. If you're like me and you've uh, grown up in the church most of your life and been Christian for most of your life, there's something that happens when you hear the testimony of a new believer. Someone that's recently come to Christ because their fresh fire lights you on fire. And maybe for some of us, you felt even convicted and challenged as you heard their story about all the things that they are doing because they are all in. And I just want you to receive that from the Lord. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you kind of shifted into neutral or cruise control. Let the fresh fire from this young couple encourage you to say, I've got to be all in for Jesus, because when we are all in for him, he can do all that he wants to do through us. But it starts at that moment of surrender. I love how they, they they decided that they were going to surrender to God, not after everything was figured out, but even while they were still in the middle of their trial and their trouble. Did you guys notice that? You and I can decide that we're going to surrender once our problems are resolved, or we can resolve we're going to surrender our problems to Jesus right now. We can wait and say, hey, God, I'll go ahead and serve, and I'll I'll tithe, and I'll give, and I'll I'll get involved at the church once you've solved my issues. But what if in the giving and the serving, that's actually how he begins to resolve our problems? There's not a single one of us in here or, or watching online or out under the Ohana tent that doesn't have problems. All of us are facing things that the person sitting next to you isn't aware of. And this whole message today is about what we started off with in the beginning of our surrender series, the study of Psalm 23, that really is about this, that you and I are really only in control of one thing, just one thing. And that's how quickly we will surrender our cares to the one God who cares and is actually in control. We're only, we can pretend that we're in control of a lot, but the truth is, is that everything else is outside of our control except for how long or short it will take till we surrender our cares to God. And my prayer is that before you're gone today, you will bring those problems to the Lord and see him do something amazing. That you will, like Ezekiel, looking at a valley of problems, you will be able to prophesy or speak the truth of God over those issues because God's word is more real than what we feel. And when we can begin to participate with him in that, that's when we begin to see things truly change. And you can see that here as we continue in Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel had to see it, he had to say it, he had to pray it in order for him to participate in the miracle that God was going to have him be a part of. That's what God wants us to do today. We have to see it the way he sees it. We have to say what he's asking us to say. We have to pray what he's asking us to pray so we can participate in the resolve or the solution to that problem. And this is what we begin to see here. Ezekiel 37, verse 11, he says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. This vision that he was having there. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Some of us feel that way right now. Some of us feel like our hope is gone. There's no way through this issue or this problem. I don't see any way out of this scenario. And that is the Lord speaking to you saying, I want you to see this the way I see this. He is not dismissing your problem. He's not asking you to pretend it's not there. He's just asking you to speak those things that aren't as though they were to prophesy the promises of God over your problems. See, Ezekiel was facing a whole group of people that were in desperate straits. Majority of them were under pagan rule in Babylon because of their sin. The rest of them were dispersed across foreign nations. Jerusalem had been sacked and ransacked. The temple had been destroyed. There was nothing for them. He's looking at this valley as a picture of his people. There is nothing there. This is a dead end. And yet God is saying, I want you to speak over this dead end, a new beginning. And it could be that that's exactly what you're going to do here today over your problems and your situations. Because look what happens when we begin to agree with what it is that God is saying. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves. I'm going to bring you up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel and then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I'll put my spirit in you and you'll live and I'll settle you in your own land. And then you'll know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Does this remind you of last week's message? Remember when we talked about how the resurrection changes everything? It breaks all the rules that Jesus could walk up to a man dead four days and say, Lazarus, come forth, and death has to listen. Some of us right now are looking at problems that seem impossible and insurmountable, and God's just saying, no, that's an instrument of my deliverance. I'm going to show you how big I am. And you and I can decide that we're going to let our problems define us, or we're going to let our problem solver define us, which is Jesus Christ. And each one of us has to understand this. What was conquered at the cross was everything you and I are facing. Think about it. Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell. The big three, everything that you and I are facing right now, pretty, pretty massive. This is not to diminish the challenges that, are, that you're facing in your life, but are any of the things you're facing bigger than sin, death, or hell? No. If Jesus could conquer those, he's already got the solution for yours. He already knows the way through. He's just asking you to surrender it to him. And you would bring him those problems. So we're going to take part in a little prayer activity right now. I want you to think of that, your biggest problem. No, not the person sitting next to you. Let's just, just keep this between you and the Lord. Your biggest problem right now. You know the thing that wakes you up in the middle of the night? The thing you wake up stressed about in the morning? The thing that you're biting your nails for, that you're constantly anxious about? That big problem that you don't see a solution for. You've got that pictured in your mind right now. Okay, now what I want you to do is come into that position of surrender where you're raising your hands and you're closing your eyes. Raise your hands like this. I surrender. And then I want you in your mind's eye to picture yourself walking up to the cross and laying that big problem down at the foot of the cross. You guys doing that now? Whatever, however big that problem is, you're laying it down at the foot of the cross. And I want you to declare with me right now to the Lord. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus... Your promise is bigger than my problem. Your word is more real than what I feel. You will give me wisdom to walk this through as I follow you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, for the logical one in there, you're like, what did that do? That didn't do anything. Oh, it did way more than you could possibly understand. If you actually added your faith to those words, the miracle was set in motion the moment you prayed that prayer. Do not ever underestimate the power of your agreement prayer. You, what you just did there is exactly what Ezekiel did over that valley of dry bones. You are agreeing with what God has said is already true. using the authority of your words. And we need to be doing that. What, that took like, what, a minute, right? We need to be doing that multiple times a day. If your day is anything like mine, the moment you dodge one boulder, you've got five other boulders rolling down the slope at you, right? And if you and I wait till the end of the day before we surrender our problems to God, we are literally buried under an avalanche of issues and problems that are too big for us. But what if you and I decided that every single time we see a boulder coming our way, a problem coming our way, we're surrendering that to God. God, I thank you that your promises are bigger than my problems. God, I thank that word is more real than what I feel. God, I think you're going to give me wisdom to walk this through as I follow you. Boom, boom, boom. By the end of the day, guess what? You have conquered every problem because you did it through Jesus Christ. Is that going to solve everything immediately? No, but it solves the most important thing, which is how we see our problems. Normally, we think our problems are bigger than God, but God is always bigger than our problems. And the moment we see it in the right perspective happens. The moment you and I surrender. And why do we need to do that? Because ultimately, when it comes to problems, it's usually people. Isn't it? In fact, our problems are people most of the time. Right? And if there's any, and maybe some of you in your mind's eye, when you're picturing putting your problem at the cross, it was a person. If it's a person next to you, don't, don't, no, 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 no just <laughs> let that be between you and the Lord. But if we don't learn to see people the way God sees them, we are never going to be able to see our problems the way God does. And that's the third point here. This is an invitation to see people the way Jesus sees them. You can fill that in your third blank there. To see people the way Jesus sees them. It's an invitation, this whole thing, with our shepherd, to see to see problems as possibilities, to, to participate in the miracle. Hey, he... He was setting a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He's anointing her head with oil, and her cup is overflowing. What's all that about? Well, this pa- I heard this story recently about this pastor who, in between services, was out greeting people, and a woman walks right up to him, all huffy and puffy, and she's like, "Pastor, I need I need to talk to you." He's like, "Oh, okay. I, I need you to know I, I'm leaving this church. Today's my last day. I'm never coming back. I am done, done, done." And the pastor goes, "Whoa." what happened what well I'll, I'll tell you what happened it's awful this church so many things i'll tell you exactly what happened oh okay tell me what happened so she says well you, you keep saying how this church is full of loving people well no one was loving me i walked up and i walked all the way to the front door no hugs no one hugged me once not a single person and i even stood next to a group of people that were talking just to see if they would hug me no hugs i even moved, moved a little closer Still, no hugs. What kind of church is this? Bunch of hypocrites. Bunch of hypocrites. I went in. I went inside. And then, and then while your message was going... They were looking at their phones. They were checking the internet, looking at their their Facebook page. What kind of church is this? And the pastor's like, oh, my goodness, I'm really sorry. And then, and then after church, I was listening to the people sitting behind me and they were gossiping about somebody else. In fact, I listened really carefully to make sure who they were talking about. And I knew who they were talking about. And it wasn't them. They're a total bunch of gossips. Everyone here is a hypocrite. I am leaving this church. And the pastor's like, whoa, whoa, I, I'm very sorry that you feel this way. And as the lady was talking, God had given him an idea. So he, he's like, hey, listen, I'm not going to try and talk you to, into not leaving. But Kent, you've been coming here for years. Can I just ask you to do me a favor before you go? It's going to sound a little silly. She's like, what? What do you want me to do? Just We got one more service. I just need you to do one thing before you go. Can you do this for me? So he grabs a cup and he grabs a bottle of water. She's looking at him with suspicion her eyebrow raised, her face crinkled. And he said, I just need you to do one thing. I need you to take this cup of water and throughout the next service, I just need you to walk around the sanctuary three times and not drop, not spill a single drop of water. Can you do that for me? And she's like, that's ridiculous. That's silly. And, and the pastor said, oh, I know it's totally silly, but if you're leaving anyways, who cares what anyone else <laughs> thinks, right? And and she's like, okay. I'll do it. So he's like, remember, not a drop. So she's determined now. And she walks around the service very carefully, very skillfully, focused on only one thing. She will not let a single drop of water spill out of this cup. And after the service was done, she met the pastor with her completely full cup of water. And she put it down before him and said, not one drop. And the pastor said, wow, that is really impressive. Now, before you go, if you feel like you still want to go, I'll pray for God bless you in your new season. But I just have to ask you a couple questions. What? Did Did you notice anybody while you were walking around, did you notice anybody who was gossiping and talking about others while you were walking around with your cup of water? She's like, well, no, because I was concentrated. I'm not spilling this cup of water. I didn't. I didn't hear what anyone else was saying. Oh, okay, okay. Did you notice if while I was preaching, anybody else was on their phones, not paying attention to the sermon? She was like, "Well, no, I didn't notice anybody else on their phones because I was I was watching them, making sure I didn't spill any water." Okay, okay. Just just one more question. Did you notice anybody who should have hugged you and didn't hug you? And she said, well, I don't want anyone to hug me because they would make me spill my water. And I wasn't about to (laughs) spill my water. He's like, okay, okay. I I totally respect that. I just need you to understand that, that when Jesus hands you something, when you're focused on what it is that he's doing in you and not focused on what it is other people are doing, you're accomplishing the very thing for which you were made. And that's the thing that matters most. And if you work with me, I would like to see you focus on the one thing God's called you to do at this church. And then what ends up happening is you begin to see the people around you in a different light. And the lady was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I'm wondering if this might be the very thing that God is asking us to do in our church. You see, we're entering a season where it would be really easy to focus on all the problems. We're going to be entering a construction season. Walls falling, dust. We're going to be moving tents and all of these things. It would be really easy to find all the reasons and the faults of why you should not come to New Hope anymore. It'd be easy to look at a group of people like us and find all the reasons why we are a bunch of imperfect people because we are a bunch of imperfect people. (laughs) We are forgiven. There's only one perfect person, and it ain't us. It's the one that we come here to worship and learn from and sit at the feet of, and his name is Jesus. And if you could, instead of entering into a critical spirit where you're looking for the things that are wrong with people, maybe you could focus instead with a cooperative spirit with what the Word of God and what the Spirit of God has uniquely called you to do in this season, that we could take the one thing we've been designed to do and serve others with that what if we began to look at each other not as just problems to be solved but as people that were saved and are being saved what if we looked at all this construction not as problems but as potential for growth to reach even more people than we have before you see it's a complete rearrangement of the perspective God had Ezekiel look at a valley of bones and call it an army. What if you and I looked at our construction and called it a new beginning? What if we looked at a bunch of sinners in this house right now and called them saints that will change the world for eternity? What if that's what God wants us to begin to speak out? No more gossip, no more slander, no more grumbling, no more complaining, but prophesying the truth of God over the potential that he has for this church. You guys in with me on that? Do you think we can begin to speak that truth out like that and why do we need to <laughs> because god hasn't just called us to serve water to friends he's called us to serve water to enemies it's not in your notes but it's up here on the screen romans 12:20 paul writes if your enemy is hungry feed him and if he is thirsty give him something to drink how many of you guys like serving your enemies I didn't think so. (laughs) You guys are like, get your own stinking water. I'm not getting you water. I'll get water for my friends. I'll buy food for my friends. Not my enemies, not people who make me feel miserable and make my life awful. Why would I get anything for them, right? That's our typical reaction, and it's totally normal. It's totally natural, but God's asking us to do something supernatural, and I want you to note who wrote this verse. Paul, who used to be Saul, who was an enemy of God. He literally stood by while Stephen was stoned to death martyred for his faith he would tear families of the faith apart and throw them in jail and yet when god looked at this enemy of the church he saw somehow in this enemy the potential of a world changer a man who would write the majority of the new testament who would plant so many churches that the expansion of the gospel would turn the world upside down somehow god saw an enemy as a friend of god and maybe just maybe it starts with a cup of water Maybe that transformation of us seeing people the way he does starts with us serving the people that we don't want to serve at all. And you know who those people are. You know who those enemies are. They're the ones that you see in Costco and you hide down the other aisle so you don't have to talk to them. You know who they are. Right? They're the ones at the family party that if you see them on one side of the room, you're always going to be on the other side of the room so you don't have to dip your chip in the same dip as them so you don't have to talk to them or look at them or even think about them, right? And you just try and get through that whole time without thinking about them. They're, you, they're the ones that when you think about them, your face begins to turn red and you just begin to think of ways that, oh, I should have said this. I, I, next time I see them, this is what I'm going to say. Those are the people he's saying serve. You don't have to change them. You don't, and you can't you can't wait until they're perfect. But God is asking you to see them the way he does, which is what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5 verse 43. "You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy." By the way, in those days it was actually okay to hate your enemy. According to Jewish law, it was more than fine to insult, spit upon and to despise your enemy. A good example, Samaritans. They were a mixed breed and so they would treat them like trash. And then Jesus comes along and flips it on its head and says, no, 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 I'm telling you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When's the last time you prayed for your enemy? When's the last time you prayed for somebody who makes you feel miserable? Yeah, me neither. But Jesus is saying you need to and that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And I... I just love this because he knew he had his audience right there. Everybody hated tax collectors. And yet who was one of the 12 that he said this right in front of? Who's the guy that wrote this book? Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. And while everyone else despised him, he walked up to this guy in his tax collecting booth and said, Hey, you, follow me. We're going to be world changers. And he's like, no, 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 you can't, people hate me. Yeah, but I'm going to teach you how to love them. Let's go. And I just picture Matthew under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing out this conversation with Jesus and a big old smile coming on his face because instead of Jesus seeing an enemy, he saw a son who would pin one of our gospels, who would change the world. What if we saw people that way? If you only greet your your own people, What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And if you're intimidated by that, I'm not perfect. How am I supposed to be perfect? The the Greek wording there is not demanding that you and I have perfection because only one could do that, and his name is Jesus. It's literally a gold standard or a goal by which we are to live. It's as if you're talking to a child and pointing at their parents and saying, do you see those attributes? I need you to grow into what your mom and your dad are. You're not there yet, but you can be. Do you see how they love people? I need you to begin to love people the way your parents love people. You're not there yet, but I want you to make that your goal, your gold standard. You can get there if that's your goal, that's your finish line. And so our gold standard is what? The Father's love. Have the Father love his enemies. For God so loved the world that he didn't send his half-best, he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And he did not come to condemn the world, though we all deserved it, but to save it. What's What's our love that we're supposed to aim for? While Jesus was nailed to a cross, surrounded by enemies who hated him, Cursed him, stripped him to shame him, beat him, stuck a crown of thorns on his head, mocked him. He could have called down a legion of angels to get every single one in that crowd, give them exactly what they deserve. But instead he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. What was he doing? He was praying for his enemies, which by the way, is what he asked us to do. So how do we get from that place where we're trying to avoid our enemies to we actually want to serve them? We start praying for them. When I was a barista at Starbucks, we would have nice customers, and then we'd also have enemy customers. If you've ever been in the service industry, you understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes people forget you're an actual human, and they treat you like trash. Right? And this woman inevitably, she would come in, this cranky little woman would come in uh, multiple times a week, and she would just, every time I saw her coming through the door, I would find any reason to not have to be at the bar and making her a drink. I'd be I hated doing dishes, but all of a sudden I'd be like, "Hey, you know what there's a pile of dishes back here I'll go ahead and take care of these dishes right now. don't you worry about it. You guys got that great." And then, uh, oh, do you need these cups stacked? I'll go ahead and stack these cups. Yeah, they need to, you oh, know, it looks like that foam needs a little more frothing. Let me help you with your latte, right? Anything to avoid having to be, because it didn't matter how we got her drink exactly. The, when we all knew how she wanted her drink because she got the same drink every single time. It didn't matter how perfectly we got it. It, it, it was just never good enough. You know, it's like, Half foam, 2%, half a Splenda, 127 degrees, and two pumps of, you know, sugar-free cinnamon dolce, and it didn't matter how we presented a grande and a vintage cup, the whole thing, I mean, it was, just give it to her, and she was like, ew, it's awful, we make it it's awful. remake it and and along with that rejection would come some kind of insults that's making you feel like you're about this tall you know it's awful remake it right and it just it didn't matter so I was just like I don't want to have anything to do with this woman she is awful so you know there I am over hiding over in the in the the drive-thru you know and and thinking unchristian thoughts towards this woman and, uh, and the, the lady that had to endure her berating this current round, she came over to me, and she's just like, I actually just had a, a conversation with that lady. And I'm thinking, well, I bet that went great. you know. And, she's, and, and she said, I just found out something. She just lost her husband a month ago. And I was like, really? She said, yeah. And she just told me, she said, the only normal thing in her life is coming to Starbucks and getting her drink. <laughs> oh, man, everybody is fighting a battle we know nothing about. And though it's was never okay to take out her grief and her loss on baristas, the truth of the matter is, this was the only normal thing she had. It was her only anchor. And I never even gave her the benefit of the doubt. And all Jesus is saying is, you don't have to change your enemies. That's his job. You just have to serve them. And before you even start serving them, just pray for them. In fact, that's what we're going to do right now. Let's go ahead and stand together. I want you to picture that enemy in your head. And I want you to put your hands out like this, like you're going to surrender. And I want you to, as you close your eyes, you're standing before the cross and before Jesus. And I want you to picture that you're bringing your enemy to Jesus right now. And, and you know what they look like. Normally they're, they're very tense. They're very stiff. Their face is always scrunched up. Like they're angry at life and the world and specifically at you. Then I want you to picture what happens next. They're there with Jesus at the cross. And Jesus reaches his big old arms around your enemy and hugs them and instantly their body goes from stiff to relaxed and then jesus whispers these words in their ear i love you enough to die for you and instantly their scrunched face relaxes and and tears begun to come out of both eyes streaming down their cheeks as they realize they found the one thing that they've been trying to find their entire life. And all of that hate and all of that anger and all of that vitriol that they take out on you now drops to the ground in the arms of their Savior. God, that we would be able to see them the way you do because you considered them worthy enough to die for. At one point, each of us were an enemy and you called us a friend. So God, we forgive them. We forgive our enemies for how they've hurt us and wounded us. It doesn't make what they did okay. It doesn't make what they said okay. But it does take them out of our hands and puts them in your arms. And we pray, God, for our enemies right now. And we just ask, God, that you would change them. That maybe even this Easter, God, would be the Easter that they come and move from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. That rather than us seeing them as problems, we would see them as sons and daughters of God. We ask, God, that you would do this work in them. That you would do this work in us. That we'd see things the way you do. And we prophesy this truth of a changed life over our enemies. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, leave us a review
0: and we'd love to hear what you think. You can also watch us on YouTube, download our app, or check out our website.